Good morning. I'm Duarte Geraldino. And I'm Shimita Basu. This is Apple News Today. Each morning, hear about some of the most fascinating stories in the news and how the world's best journalists are covering them. After months of finger-pointing and worrying about whether to reopen schools, many teachers and students are physically back in the class. And at least six teachers across several states are dead because of COVID-19. All this happened since classes started. Though it's still not clear where these teachers caught the virus. The youngest teacher to die was reportedly just 28 years old. Her name was Demetria Demi Bannister, a third-grade teacher in South Carolina. According to reporting from The State, that's a local daily paper in South Carolina, Demi was last in the school building on August 28th, which was a working day for teachers before the school year started. The following week, she began teaching her students remotely. On Friday, The State reports, Demi was diagnosed with the virus. She died on Monday. Many educators have been sounding the alarm for weeks now and say these teachers did not have to die. The AP spoke to the president of the American Federation of Teachers, Randy Weingarten, and she specifically points to Mississippi and Missouri, where since the start of the school year, several educators have died. Mississippi is reporting more than 600 teachers have been infected with the coronavirus. And she says in states where community spread is high and testing is low, Schools should not be holding in-person classes unless, of course, a school has adequate PPE and specific guidelines in place. It can be hard to tell when to reopen, but the CDC and World Health Organization have come up with a reopening threshold. They say it's safe for students to walk back into classrooms when the rate of positive new tests in their community falls below 5%. Clearly, though, not all districts are following that advice. The Washington Post looks at Florida, for example. The Post reports half of the state's 2.8 million students returned to their classrooms in recent weeks. The Florida Department of Health is reporting more than 10,500 children have tested positive since schools reopened. And the teachers union is saying at least 1,200 students and teachers have been sent home to quarantine because of possible exposure. The president is claiming, repeatedly and without evidence, that voting by mail could lead to voter fraud. There's a new piece in The New Yorker that addresses this topic. Isaac Chotner, who's a staff writer there, does these Q&As with major public figures on a variety of topics. And his most recent one is with Washington's Secretary of State, Kim Wyman. She's in charge of overseeing elections in her state, which is one of five that conducts elections almost entirely by mail. Wyman is a Republican. She's been Washington State's Secretary of State since 2013. She's also a voting-by-mail expert, and she's been involved with the vote-by-mail process for much longer than she's been Secretary of State. And did you know, she started out as a local election official in the 1990s, and now she's giving advice to other states as they prepare for November's election. She tells Chotner voting by mail is convenient. It empowers people to vote whenever and wherever they choose. And therefore, it increases turnout during odd-year local elections. These are elections, she says, that have the most direct impact on people's daily lives, like for city council and school board positions. It's in these races that Washington state sees a higher voter turnout than other states. But she also says to do it right, states need the resources. And the reason it's been so successful in Washington for so long is because the state adequately funds the effort and is always prepared. But 
She's worried about states that are less prepared for an influx of mail-in ballots and says Congress is going to have to give them money so that this process runs smoothly. And, you know, we talked about this earlier in the week. Mail-in ballots take longer to tabulate, even in states that are as prepared as Washington. In its recent primary, for example, Washington received 60 percent of ballots during the week of the election. It took until Monday after Election Day for a big portion of the primary ballots to get counted. Extrapolate that to the entire country with so many people who are expected to vote by mail because of the pandemic. And she said it's completely unrealistic to think that we'll know the results right away. But Wyman says if you're planning to vote by mail, do it early and know that the main two reasons mail-in ballots get rejected are because they're postmarked too late or for missing or mismatched signatures. The World Wildlife Foundation and the Zoological Society of London are out with their Living Planet Report. It comes out every two years and takes stock of the planet's biodiversity. This year, there's some pretty scary numbers. That's right. Bloomberg has a write-up about this. The report says that between 1970 and 2016, animal populations fell by 68 percent. But this is complicated, and it might not mean exactly what you think. The report isn't saying that 68% of all animals are dying. Mm -hmm. It's looking at communities of animals, local populations. An individual species might exist across several regions and several distinct communities. And what this report is saying is that these individual groups are disappearing or shrinking. Bloomberg explains some parts of the world are much worse off than others. Animal populations in the tropics of the Americas declined by 94% since 1970. And communities in or nearby fresh water have dropped by 84 percent. Now, the authors put a lot of the blame on us humans, whether it's through deforestation, plastics in the ocean and other waterways, overfishing, hunting or climate change. We're destroying the very ecosystems that give rise to life and allow our planet to be as vibrant as it is. The authors of the report note that we could start by changing what the world eats and how we produce our food. But overall, the tone of this report is not hopeful. Bloomberg notes humans are just not good at listening to the science. Scientists warned us for decades about the planet getting hotter, that we would be seeing more fires on the West Coast, that would have more and worse hurricanes. And as we're seeing right now, all around us, all of these predictions came true. Today marks the 19th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks. Nearly 3,000 people lost their lives that day, including 40 people on Flight 93, the flight where passengers and crew bravely overtook hijackers on the plane, who were believed to be targeting the U.S. Capitol. There's a memorial dedicated to Flight 93 at the site of the crash in Pennsylvania. The L.A. Times spoke with the lead designer, Paul Murdoch. The memorial, which is also a national park, was nearly completed in 2015, but there was one major component that was unfinished until last week. It's called the Tower of Voices. It stands 93 feet high. That height is a reference to the flight number. And inside the tower are 40 chimes, one for each person who lost their life on board. And what you're hearing is a simulation of those chimes. Murdoch spoke with victims' families while he was designing the memorial. Yeah, and he says many of the people who died managed to call their families from the plane in the final minutes of their lives. Murdoch said he wanted to create a memorial that invoked sound, one that could change and chime and sing. 
a monument to honor those final conversations. You can find all these stories and more on the Apple News app. Have a good weekend. Have a safe one. We'll talk with you again on Monday.